0: welcome to another episode of the confessions of a recurring landlord podcast i'm your host jan gibbons and this is the other one bob gibbons <laughs> for the week of october the 4th 2021 on today's podcast we've got some burner topics including supply chain logistics and how it is not going well dfw office leasing is rebounding And a law firm in Chicago is drastically reducing its office footprint.
1: Let's get into it. Okay, so... First thing on your list was
0: my list. Well, I like to start with <laughs> supply chain because Amazon comes to see me every yeah, day, you're... and when he's delayed, I'm frustrated. When you're so... a major cog in that
1: <laughs> supply chain, meaning the end mile,
0: if Jeff doesn't ring my bell daily, oh, <laughs>
1: it's just not right. I thought I was ringing your bell but <laughs> anyway. Moving right along, well. Basically, I guess the point is is that we're still seeing major delays in supply chain. Uh, the number of ships that we had talked about this months ago, the number mm-hmm. of ships offshore in Long Beach was at an all-time high, and, and I see reports, it seems like every other day, of how many ships are off port and is always a record number. You know, Every time it's another record right. number. But what's interesting to me is that um, you know I'd, I'd seen something in mid-September that was saying that a record 60 ships were off offshore right at that time since then I've seen it go up to like 67 68 and uh, but I'm also seeing discrepancies in the numbers you know some people are are uh, saying there's almost a thousand ships right and and then I saw an analysis of the number of ships and it was like all right this many's in transit this many are sitting there this many are in you know at dock being unloaded. I mean, however you slice and dice the numbers, it's at record levels. But the thing that I thought was most interesting is that the ships are offshore because there's no place to put them on shore. No place to put the The cargo. The cargo, yeah, thanks. Um, So basically these ships are floating warehouses.
0: Right. And what happens, I'm amazed that the cost of goods has not gone up exponentially more because if I'm paying my longshoremen to sit out there and babysit, I docked ship. I just don't know how this works.
1: Yeah. Because they, you know, you have all the people that are on the ship, which I don't even know how many people it takes right. to run a ship like that. I don't think it's very many because you're not serving passengers. You're just got, you just got cargo. So I can't imagine that a big ship like that would have more than six to 10 people on, on board. But I, maybe that's something I would I would think it would into. depend
0: on the size of the ship.
1: But the warehouse and industrial space in Southern California at least in the South Bay, the market nearest the uh, submarket nearest the port of Los Angeles and Long Beach, has a vacancy rate of less than one percent,
0: which is nil. I mean, it's basically a yeah, rounding error. Right?
1: Uh, so, so that's why you end up with the ships being the next best alternative. They have no place to offload, mm-hmm. therefore they become a floating warehouse.
0: You see why industrial prices are going through the roof. Warehouses flex space because we need a place to put this stuff.
1: Well, it's also, this is the time of year when all the holiday Mm -hmm. stuff starts showing up. So, you know, we have a client that they they manufacture in China for uh, goods for Christmas, hanging your stockings, Christmas trees, all kinds of stuff. Well, they have to do all their manufacturing throughout the year and have it shipped here for Christmas because, you know, when does all the Christmas stuff start showing up?
0: Before you buy the children's notebooks for going back to school. (laughs) I'm not kidding. At home, um, Target. I've seen it, I think, in one or two places way, way before Halloween. I can buy a Christmas tree. Ridiculously early. But anyway, I I guess. I think it's right after they clean up the Valentine's Day candy. (laughs) You start to see the Christmas trees back on aisle three.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. So that's why I. That could be a big reason why we're having so much backlog right now because we not only have the increase from the pandemic, people buying more stuff than ever, but then you add to that a Christmas cycle and it just compounds the problem. Yeah. So anyway, it'll be interesting to see how this pl- plays out. Uh, I mean, you can't build warehouses on on land fast enough. You know, Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth anyway... Last I checked, we had about 40 million square feet of new construction going on, 40 to 45 million square feet of new construction in the pipeline. For industrial only. F- for warehouse, industrial, okay. logistics type properties. So, you know. You, How
0: much of that is pre leased? How much is build to suit? How much is spec? You know,
1: that's a good question. I, I don't have those numbers. Um, so Come I. Come
0: prepared next week.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs>
0: well, I, I mean, it just is interesting because. The way Amazon is buying up old buildings that they are rehabbing and reconfiguring to their needs. Or tearing down. Yeah, just to get the land. I mean, there's
1: a, I, I toured an office building down on Mockingbird Lane in Dallas uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now. And the leasing agent was walking me around a vacant floor high up in the building. And he was kind of just kind of give me the lay of the land of what's going on in the area. And right next door to them is a, um, I don't remember what the size of the Of the site was, but it was like 20, 30, 40 acres, something like that. But it had buildings on it. Well, Amazon had bought that site, I think he told me for $30 million, was going to demo every building on it and rebuild a new infill, in city, uh, inner city uh, distribution center. Because, you know, that getting close to the customer for that last mile Mm -hmm. uh, delivery, especially when you're trying to do you know same day or one hour delivery
0: i need my cure egg today <laughs> and it's coming before 9 p.m. jeff told me your earlier last, today
1: your last one works just fine <laughs> it's just in you're continent.
0: the one that went out and bought another one going <laughs> get that piece of crap out of the house
1: yeah i know all right moving right <laughs> along to the next topic so you you teased us with uh, Dallas Fort Worth office market rebounding. Uh,
0: correction: the media keeps teasing me with this. Uh, it's good, on a rebound, and I'm line. like, I mm,
1: whatever. Yeah, I mean, I saw a CoStar report. Well, I've, let me say this: I've seen a bunch of reports. Yeah, it seems like the the. The main culprits are the large houses, uh, the big real the estate the leasing firms. agents
0: for the landlords. Uh, Man, exactly. I've shown space fourteen times this morning. <laughs> exactly,
1: they're they're all trying to find ways, and sure. we've done we've talked about this on the show in the past. But you know, CoStar even came out in early September with a headline that said Dallas-Fort Worth office leasing approaching a rebound. <laughs> approaching it, <laughs> we're not there yet, but it's approaching. <laughs> And, and it was funny to me because...
0: Sounds like the Cincinnati Bengals approaching
1: the touch <laughs> of the red zone. <laughs> They're approaching the... Uh, yeah. Anyway, approaching is going from the end zone on the other end to the 20-yard mm-hmm. line. Well, the quote I saw was, for the first six months of 2021, Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex tracked 3 million square feet below the 2017-2019 average. In August, however, the market reported 2.1 million square feet of leasing activity not net absorption. Net, uh, uh, that's total activity. Uh, so if somebody renews their 100,000 square foot lease, that's activity. But that was 622,000 square feet more than in August of 2017 to 2019, and 1.4 million square feet more than the 716,000 square feet reported in August of 2022. So
0: it reminds me of baseball stats, which are near and dear to my heart. But you can slice and dice to compare the numbers any way you want to show the projections you're looking for.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I understand people are desperate for hope. Yeah. And I don't I don't begrudge anybody that. But also, you also need
0: to be realistic.
1: Well, you need to be realistic. But it, it also feels like people are are desperately trying to find ways to keep their name and the media whether it's one of the big houses
0: leasing rates inflated
1: well keep that to justify why they're so high um whatever it's just again we're we're not totally seeing this in the numbers i mean the only relevant number to me is net absorption because that's taking the big picture Mm -hmm. and saying all right what's happening here once you get rid of this you know, total leasing activity and comparing it to prior years and all the rest. I mean, we need to compare it to prior years. Don't get me wrong. That gives us a measure of what's happening and and how do we compare it? We have to have a point of reference, but you know, this is really not giving us a whole lot of, um, I guess what I would say is accurate, accurate, honest, I don't know. I, I just hope it's not giving us false hope. And, um, So
0: it's also uh, frustrating me because I think it's being used by the landlords to prop up prices inordinately because I know that they're trying to hold out thinking, "Okay, it's going to turn the corner next month and I can command this price I'm asking for today. Right.
1: And well, if you know, we've talked about the Castle Systems uh, Index in the past, their barometer, they call it their back to work barometer. And for the week of this week, their report as of today Shows thirty-five percent of people in the U.S. and in, in the top ten metro areas uh, are back to work. Okay, back just, to the office.
0: Just for the people that don't listen to us on the weekly, shame. Explain <laughs> what a castle system is and how it uh, can give this information
1: out. Okay, so Castle System is an access control company. It's when so, you
0: swipe your badge to get into work.
1: Exactly. If you swipe your badge, get you into the building. All they're doing is saying, hey, we got this many badges outstanding. This many are actually being used. That creates the percentage. So throughout the pandemic, they've been tracking this. And, of course, from um, March until April, it fell. In fact, during March, it fell precipitously from nearly 100%, which you're never going to be at 100% because people take vacation, they're sick, whatever. So you're never at 100%, but call it the high 90s. Um, And it fell to... Extremely low. In some cities, it got down to like less than five percent of occupancy in In New York. Yeah, anything in California, the highly dense ones. Um, And then it's kind of shown it over time. It's kind of gone up and down, up and down a little bit. But anyway, right now they're saying the average is thirty-five percent, and you know that is
0: that's where it's been for months, give or take
1: that or less. I mean, even at at the beginning of September, it was thirty. 31 percent yeah so it's gone up four percent in the last month call it but what's interesting is looking at the different um metro areas um you know the texas markets have been about the highest i mean austin is at 48 percent uh dallas is at 45 percent houston is at 49 percent. so those are the biggies and you know that's not a surprise given where that is um san jose silicon valley 26 los angeles 31 Washington, D.C., 31, Chicago, 31, Philadelphia, 33, San Francisco, only 21. Now, why would San Francisco be so so different? I would argue it's because so many of the jobs there are tech, and so many of the tech jobs can be done via the internet. So they can be anywhere. Um, But even New York, 28%, 27.5%. So the big metro areas that are highly dense are still way behind. However, all of those are up. Compared to the prior week, so um, you know that that's good news. I mean, they're not up a lot—half percent, one percent, one and a half percent.
0: Yeah, but you're seeing, wasn't it, on the New York Times that uh, New York's what do you call it? New uh, cases of COVID was hmm. down drastically. Well,
1: nationally, that's the case. And what's interesting is the COVID cases. I read, uh, I think the New York Times re- uh, reported that there's this two month cycle. And mm-hmm. so the overall cases go up for about two months and then they fall for about two months and they go up for two months. And it's and so we're in that cycle, apparently. I don't understand why, and they seem to be dumbfounded as to why that's the case. But um, anyway, you know there was another uh, organization that I read about called Robin Powered. It's, uh, the company is called Robin. And apparently it's a company that helps you manage a distributed workforce. So I'm not exactly sure how it works, but they have this index and the index kind of tracks the percentage of people that actually come to the office at least three to four days a week. And they showed that in April of 2021, 16% of people, not, you know, throughout their customer base, which honestly, I don't know where their customer base is. It could be international, not just U.S., but Sixteen percent of people were coming back to the office in April. That fell to 10 percent in August. And I interpreted that to mean it was because of the Delta variant. People were concerned by that and how, you know, cases were going up in August and all that.
0: But I also think that it could be parents have got to get kids back in school. So if so, they, they can weren't take, going to the office. If they can take remote work, and then at noon run little Johnny over to Walmart to get his backpack and all his office supplies, eh, we'll just call it a day. And so that, I would think that is factoring in on some level.
1: So it could be both. Yeah, you know, sure. I got you. Somebody's calling you, by the way. Oh,
0: can you take a <laughs> message?
1: So anyway, but so it went down to ten percent in August, and then it started rebounding a bit. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, if that continues to go up. um, You know, I guess the real question in all this is what should people be doing with their leases?
0: You can see what one law firm in Chicago did with their lease. What was that? Well, they sliced it in half.
1: That's really true. I mean, they went from 416,000 square feet down to 225,000. I mean, that's darn near half. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. and. They were in the same building. They did they they basically just negotiated that for the landlord. But the thing I thought was interesting is that, you know, it's a it's a painful example of a tenant retrenchment, painful to the landlord of a tenant retrenchment. But and this was a giant company. I mean, this is a company called General Block. It's a Amlaw one hundred, Amlaw being a um an organization that tracks the biggest law firms. And so the Amlaw 100 or the 100 largest law firms in the U.S., uh, or maybe even the world. And so this is one of those.
0: But haven't law firms been redacting their footprint historically throughout time with all their files going to more of a digital basis rather than those huge bookcases and law books and yeah. everything, the libraries they had in office?
1: Yeah, I mean, they've definitely been reducing them for many, many, many years, De- you know, 20 years they've been reducing it. The internet really has, as you say, r- allowed them to reduce. The other thing they've been doing is they aren't, because of the, the internet, they're not, they don't have as many support staff as they used to. You know, the number yeah. of paralegals, Nobody legal does. secretaries, yeah. etc. So many people are doing more, so many professionals are doing more of their own admin work mm-hmm. than they used to. But the other thing that was interesting about this one is that this law firm had been battling their landlord about unpaid rent because they didn't pay some of the rent that was due during the pandemic. And so there was this whole argument back and forth and they, they delete, they defaulted on it on their lease after failing to pay $3.9 million of rent in April and May rent and other expenses. Mm -hmm. And so The landlord took a dim view of that. (laughs) And uh, so, anyway.
0: Okay, just back up. I want to throw in a caveat. You said rent and other expenses, which is everything it costs to be in the space. Right. If I send everyone home, my HVAC bills, my electricity, everything should be lower, correct? Would that be what they're saying? And maybe the landlord was passing through costs at the same 100% occupancy rate?
1: You know, I don't know the details of this particular situation, so I'm, I'm not going to try and extrapolate that, but <clears throat> you're right. When people don't show up to the office, they're not required. They're, not some expenses go down. Your
0: water expense, you're not having coffee service. I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, there are a lot of things. You don't turn on as many lights. So many buildings these days have the um, motion sensor lights, mm-hmm. so your electricity bill should go down. However, there are differing ways that leases are structured. So if it's a what we would call a gross or full service plus electric kind of lease. So you have a base year for your operating expenses, let's say. So if you're paying $40 a square foot for your rent and your base year was 2019, well, if the operating expenses built into that $40 rent were $15, you don't get any benefit to the tenant. If those actual expenses fall below fifteen dollars, if they fall to thirteen, it's not like the landlord is going to say, "All right, we're going to give you a two dollar credit against your forty dollar rent." Now you only pay thirty eight. So now, if it's a triple net lease where the tenant's paying separately, so now you have a base rent of twenty five dollars and triple nets or operating expenses at fifteen. If those go down, then those you see an actual reduction, right? However, some leases that I've seen say that the tenant only pays for increases in operating expenses
0: Ooh. but they get no
1: benefit if they fall so we've i've actually in the last six months had to change language that had that in the lease and and it was for a pretty sizable tenant and we're like oh heck no <laughs> if it goes up and we have to pay for that we also get the benefit if they come mm-hmm. down so that was that was pretty shocking that anybody would try to put that into a lease
0: no it's not shocking. Well, the landlords preparing for the next pandemic
1: you know how many you know how many times I've seen that in a lease hardly ever well in a triple net lease welcome
0: to the, your new normal
1: well perhaps but then the um, the other issue is we have gross up provisions and leases so the gross up provision originally decades ago was created by tenants to try and get landlords to more equitably distribute operating expenses. And do so fairly, fairly to the tenants and fairly to the landlord. And so gross-ups are great. But gross-ups basically mean we're going to pass through expenses as if the building were full. And therefore, the tenant is only paying its share of what an occupied square foot would normally cost. Mm -hmm. Well, again, depending on how the lease is written, they either just pay that number. But in some leases, it'll say you pay that number or landlord's, act, but but not more than the landlord's actual expenses. And so if it has that language in there, you know, we can't have a situation where the landlord grosses up the expenses, but they don't have to pay all that. And therefore the operating expenses become a profit center for them. You know, it should just be a wash for them. They shouldn't be making money off of the operating expenses
0: well just to clarify when you say wash they're factoring in their uh staff's time for well, doing sure. all this and passing but, it through but so, those are legitimate mm, expenses of yeah, operating right. a building
1: so i don't have i don't see that as a profit center the fact that they're covering the right, cost of their right. people just just to clarify anyway so
0: i think the audience's eyes are crossing but continue <laughs> no i'm i'm <laughs> done with that
1: you know all this under the under the whole are we b- bouncing back thing and and this law firm right, um, right is just an indication and I you know mm-hmm. I've talked to other people your cousin for example who's the partner at uh, KPMG in, uh, in New York you know and he's saying they don't they only need half of the space they've got and yet you, you and I just got back from New York two days ago we were up there for what five days mm-hmm. there was so much new construction going on yeah and I don't know how much of that was high-rise condos apartments versus office buildings. But there was a lot of construction happening, all over Manhattan, uh, in Brooklyn, Queens, Mm -hmm. New Jersey. I mean, there were cranes all over the place. So, you know, it's just to be
0: clear, we weren't in New Jersey. We just looked at it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we might have been uh, in New Jersey for a little bit in the in the river as we were taking that boat cruise. They might have, you know, veered over on. We stayed
0: on this side of Lady Liberty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh well. Anyway, well, enough about that. It'll stay tuned as always. I think the one thing to mention though, is that what do tenants do with this information? Cause there's still so much uncertainty. The one thing I would still say though, is um, two things. One, if you're going to, if your company is going to be around a long time and whether the pandemic continues or not, you're still going to be around and you still need space and you want space longer term, then go ahead and sign a lease and sign a lease for as long a term as you can because right now is the best time to renegotiate with your landlord. Um, we have For a, long term. For long term. So we have a client who has a lease that expires in three years, a little more than three years. I'm recommending that we go ahead and go to that landlord today okay. and approach them and renegotiate a longer term lease today. Get the rent reduced today or if nothing else, lock in the lock rental in, rate today. Yeah. We actually are doing this with another smaller client. They only have a a year left on their lease. But we went to the landlord and said, we not only want to renew the lease for three more years beyond the expiration date, but we want you to reduce the rent today to what you're quoting today.
0: How was that received?
1: Better than I would have expected.
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't see any bullet wounds in you, so yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, the landlord agreed to do it. We got a month free rent. We got him to reduce the rent by roughly three dollars a square foot from what they're paying now which may not sound like a a lot but they were only paying 14 and a quarter to start with base and then they also had some operating expenses above their base year so all in we're getting a 1250 rate full service with a new base year call riata for reduced rates (laughs) sorry this ad brought to you by now we're not getting tenant improvement money but the tenant didn't need that and the other caveat here is that it would have been incredibly expensive for the tenant to move. Uh, So we wanted to lock in. The other issue was the building is highly vacant. And so our fear was, well, our space is little, small. Maybe the landlord wants to just sort of get rid of this tenant and have the whole building available to deliver to somebody. So we wanted to lock that in. So there were a lot of layers to this as to why we did what we did, but the landlord was willing to do it. They were desperate to hang on to, to the little tenants they right. have. Uh, so I would say lock in long-term if you can. The other thing is go to the landlord early. Even if you're wanting to move to a new location, you might say, well, hey, we, we don't need that space for a year. So what? Go ahead and do it now. I mean, you can negotiate a delayed commencement. I mean, you can say, in fact, um, you you listen to a podcast. Well,
0: I was uh, actually I was a member of a webinar. I watched a webinar, and I just love the way they talked about delayed commencement because I know I'm going to need space in February of 2022. So I go and I sign a lease today. That gives the landlord some assurance of future income. Mm-hmm. and he's willing to reserve it for me. Obviously, I have to put down a deposit in first month and that kind of thing to actually sign and execute the lease. But the commencement or the start date of the lease is delayed until when I actually move in, and I don't start paying rent until that time. So it's kind of a win-win. Like you said, it's going to depend on the market you're in. Is the landlord hurting that much that they're willing to basically hold that space off the market right. because it's reserved for you? Uh, until you're ready, But yeah, I really like that concept because you are going and making a commitment to the landlord, which is what they're always looking for, right. And but it's on your timetable.
1: And the bigger you are, the longer the landlord's willing to wait for you. Oh of course. Um, we We know of a, of an um, a large international company that signed a lease for a building that was under construction. this is in um, the northeast. And they, this, this large tenant signed a lease to occupy like 200,000 square feet in the building, not to commence until 2023. Wow. So, and they did that deal like six or nine months ago, maybe even a year ago. So from the time they signed the lease to the time they'll actually take occupancy is two or three years, but it's a, it's a big, big project with two towers there's a lot of, I mean, 200,000 square feet is probably only 10% of the overall, maybe 20% of the overall project. So they can sort of make that work in their lease up. And it, But but what's most important to them right now is having good credit tenant mm-hmm. on the books. They know that rent's coming at, you know, at a date specific. So they're willing to do it. So anyway, it's, um, but at some point the landlord has to know they're going to get rent. Um, You know, one other thing I was going to mention, by the way, changed new topic. Um, How about them cowboys? uh, Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, they did actually do pretty well this weekend, didn't they?
0: Yeah. Beat an undefeated team.
1: Go on with your story. (laughs) Even though you're trying to derail me. (laughs) Um, One of our friends is the current chairman of the Texas Association of Realtors. And uh, shout out to Marvin Jolly. And I um, had him speak to a couple of commercial real estate groups here recently And one of the things that he talked about was that the legislature in the last session in Texas passed a law which puts a limit on the amount of money that homeowners associations can charge to allow a transfer or a sale of the property. So whenever somebody sells a property that's subject to an HOA, they have to go to that HOA and get, I think they call it a resale certificate, and they were charging in some cases kind of exorbitant. Amounts for what is basically a form. Piece of paper. Insert this person's name in the form and the address and you're done. Uh, And some of these HOA management companies were charging exorbitant fees. So the legislature put a limit on that. Why am I telling you anything about a residential? Because it's all owners associations. So this also applies to office condos, uh, industrial condos, retail condos, any kind of condo association or on owner's association. Uh, this is what, a, this applies to them as well. So that was something that I is just sort of a heads up to anybody that owns an office condo, uh, or a commercial condo of any kind and plans to sell it or plans to buy one. There's a limit on that now. And, uh, one last thing on my list, I don't know if you have anything no, on your list. I'm good. Um, I saw that uh, a report that two thirds of all commercial real estate companies in the U.S. are trying to hire right now.
0: Would that be applicable for Riyada Commercial Realty as
1: well? <laughs> yeah, Funny you should ask. <laughs> um, yes, it is. Uh, I, I just thought that was incredible because I've I've seen where people have left the big companies, um, that the big companies have been laying off people. And uh, so to know that there's two-thirds. Now, the giant companies are, you know, you can count them on ten, ten fingers, right, on two hands. But... The fact that two-thirds of all CRE companies are hiring, I, I'm I'm guessing that there's a whole lot more small to me- medium-sized mm-hmm. regional firms that are hiring as opposed to the biggies. Um, I would be really interested in getting into the details and understanding exactly what aspects they're hiring for. Is that right. for tenant representatives? Is that for le- landlord leasing admin? people? Is Investment it Investment sales? What is it? Yeah. Property IT? managers? There's all kinds of things that it could be, but- Um, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Riata is trying to hire more, uh, tenant representative corporate real estate advisor, uh, people. Um, so yeah, if any of the listeners know of anybody that's interested in getting into the real estate business, they have a successful track record selling something else to businesses or somebody who's a tenant rep at another firm that wants to make more money, keep more of what they're generating. We'd love to hear from them.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. As always, we are brought to you by Riata Commercial Realty. Inc. (laughs) And you can reach us at texastenantrep.com or 972-677-0028.
1: And, you know, this is a different episode. And we're, we're changing up the format from what we had done in the past where we just have one main topic. And so today we kind of tried to do several topics and make it a little more um, current and topical. So we'd love to hear what you think. Um, if there are topics you'd like us to talk about, uh, please shoot us an email, put a note on one of the comments, uh, wherever you're listening to the podcast. And as long as you're doing that, leave us a five-star review as well. We'd love to hear <laughs> see that as well.
0: See you next week.
1: Bye.